So Canadians used to be known as peacekeepers around the world. Still, we have a little bit of that, but you know, really in the 80s and 90s, we would have a bell in the middle of the message. And it would go off twice, and then it would rest. And we used to wear these blue berets, and uh, and and we would be we would be in the um, we would be we would be in the war zones, and we would be there for the purpose of bringing peace to reduce conflict, to be people who would who would step into conflict and bring resolution to it. And somewhere along the way. We, we really prided ourselves in, in being peacemakers. It worked along the lines of the Beatitudes that said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so there was a, there was a, there was a national pride that was built around that image and, and, and the idea that we would send our military in to resolve conflict. And at some point, and I don't know when it happened, but at some point, our culture shift a little bit. We shifted as a culture away from people that bring peace in conflict to being a people that actually like to avoid conflict. Instead of people that, that are a people that enter into conflict to resolve it, we are a people who, who tend to push away from conflict and we don't know how to deal with conflict. We don't know what to do with it and we get a little bit like nervous about it. Good Friday is a service that's all about death and conflict. It's a holiday that's built on the themes of death and conflict. How cheery is that? I mean, somebody somebody says to me, "Happy Good Friday," and I'm like, "How do you how do you reconcile these two ideas? This is a day that that celebrates a death. Like, woo, someone died. Oh, that's so like." It, those two things don't sit together well inside my emotional equilibrium. I kind of go like, that's awkward. Why would I celebrate a gruesome, forget about just a death, a gruesome, intentional murder of an innocent person? That's ridiculous. Why do I celebrate that? Why does it matter? Why? What is going on? It's a holiday about conflict and death, and we don't like death in our culture. We really don't like death. We don't like death in our culture so much so that the chicken breasts that you buy, if you buy chicken breasts, some other people like to eat the whole parts of the chicken, but you know, um, me, I just eat white chicken breasts. And the chicken breasts that you buy are like, they're skinless, they're boneless. There's no part of any life inside it at all. It is like just dead, dead. It's like we don't we don't engage in the in the defeathering of a chicken. We don't engage in the idea that you know that chicken used to have a head and we used to just chop it off and then defeather the chicken and then all that stuff. And people are like, "Ooh, that's <laughs> you know." We don't do that as a culture because we don't like death. We think it's gross and 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 wrong and and so then Christians are ridiculous because they celebrate a death once a year. They're just like, what is going on? We don't like death. We want to avoid death. And, uh, and so we just don't like the topic of death. So I decided that it would be appropriate to speak an entire message on death, just to make y'all feel comfortable. 
right? That's, that's, uh, that's a good thing to do. But it's important that we actually need to recognize the conflict that's going on. Today, as we get into our message, you're going to notice on your tablet, and you're going to need to use it, um, on the My Messages, or on today's message, you're going to see the, uh, the reference for Luke 23, 26 to 49. And I would appreciate it if you would get together with um, a table that's near you, and you can read it out loud to each other. So you're not going to be forced to read. If you really don't read out loud, somebody at your table will pick this up and actually read it. It's okay. Um, but if you could like share, like, you know, read a couple verses and then pass it on to somebody else and they'll read the next couple verses and then pass it on to somebody else and they'll read the next couple verses. It's just so that you don't have to hear my voice drone, drone on for so long. That's really what I'm doing this for. There are two main ways of resolving conflict. There's a way that, that we ignore it and we run away from it. We try to avoid it in every way. Socially, think about this for a moment. If, if you know that you're going to have a conversation that's got conflict in it, many of us lose sleep. We try to avoid the conversation. We try to soften the blows. We try to talk in such a way that, that, it's, that it's something that, that it will just pass. We try to make it feel better. We try to ignore what bothers us. And so we just, we, we, we become a little bit fake and maybe passive aggressive. And it's our culture. This is how we deal with, co with conflict a lot of times. You know, we have such a population that if you don't actually like the way that somebody treats you when you're in one group, you can easily move to another group and just replace, just replant yourself and drop somewhere else and just be like, this is, this is where it's going to be and this is okay. And we can avoid conflict pretty significantly. It's fairly easy actually in our culture to avoid conflict. And so, so we do it. We, we avoid conflict. And you know what? In Luke 22, Peter avoids conflict. Jesus tells Peter in Luke 22, he says, you're going to deny me when, when all this hits the fan, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, I'm never going to deny you. I can face that conflict. I'm going to just do it. And sure enough, just a few hours later, Peter finds himself in a situation where he's in conflict. And that type of conflict that he was facing could have cost him his life. And he ignores the conflict and he hides away from it and he denies his Savior because he knows that if he identifies with Jesus in that moment, he too will hang as a traitor. And so he hides away from conflict. Aren't you glad that Jesus takes the other way? Jesus takes the other way. There's another approach to conflict where you face it head on. Where you're either overcome by it or you overcome it. And the conflict that Jesus faced is, is this conflict where, where he, is being, he is being put to death. The conflict of life itself. When we face our conflicts, there, there are these two outcomes of overcoming it or being overcome by it. And at first when we hear our Good Friday service, it really sounds like in the natural world, Jesus faces death, death at the hands of the Romans. He faces this death, and he faces the conflict with boldness, and it overcomes him. If Jesus' conflict was merely a conflict between rulers and laws, 
When Jesus faced the conflict, he was simply overcome by it. But Jesus himself understood the source of his conflict. He knows what his real conflict is. See, Jesus remembers the day that evil and death entered the world. In Luke 10, 18, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus isn't stuck in a temporal moment in, in first century Rome. Jesus is remembering the entire story of humanity. And Jesus is remembering the day that the greatest weapon used against humanity was unleashed. And that weapon is death. The greatest weapon against humanity that, that, that Jesus sees is death. And it's a weapon wielded by Satan. I, I remember the day when Satan fell like lightning from heaven. I remember the conflict. I know what conflict I am fighting. And so Jesus, knowing what conflict he's fighting, steps into what appeared to be a first century decision of the, of the, of the people of, of Jerusalem. It appeared to be a first century conflict of, of the Jewish world. I mean, the Jews expected that they would overcome the Roman Empire. This was the dream. This was the conflict. Here's the conflict right here. The promised people of God are oppressed. The freedom from oppression is, is the conflict that needs to be faced here. And the Jews were quite literally, at first they were hopeful that Jesus was going to overcome the Romans, but as they started listening to him over the three years of his ministry, they started realizing, especially the Jewish rulers, started realizing that Jesus doesn't have what it takes. Have you guys ever faced a conflict in your life where you, you kind of go, Jesus doesn't have what it takes to overcome this conflict? Have you ever faced something in your life where it's like, Jesus, Jesus, you don't, you aren't qualified for this position. You don't have anything to say about this problem. You don't have what it takes to overcome the conflict, Jesus. And the, and the Jewish rulers, they looked at Jesus and they heard his nice teaching and they heard his, his, his subversive movements, but, but they didn't hear the, the power to overcome Rome. And so in John chapter 18, verse 14, they didn't believe that Jesus was strong enough. And John 18, 14 says, says that, that it was Caiaphas, the high priest, who would advise the Jews that it would be expedient that Jesus should die for the people. What Caiaphas is saying in this moment is he's saying Jesus is leading a revolution that's not strong enough to overthrow the Romans. The conflict that Jesus is walking into, he's not, he's not able to bear. And so we better put him out there. We better distance ourselves from him. Otherwise, when he fails, the Romans are going to come and destroy us and we will all die. So Caiaphas... And the, and the Jewish leaders of the day said, I'm sorry, Jesus, you're not good enough for the conflict that I'm facing. 
How many people in this room have ever felt in moments of prayer that, Jesus, what are you going to do about this situation? You're not good enough for the conflict I'm facing. I've got to figure this out on my own. I've got to figure this out on my own. I've got to sort this through. And Jesus like, you don't even understand the conflict. You don't even understand what the real conflict is here. We get caught up in our own personal narratives thinking that that's what the entire piece of life is, that that's where things are. We're caught up in our own perspectives and we're like, oh yeah, this is, this is what it is and this is the solution and this is what Jesus needs to do, but he's not doing it. And, and Jesus is like, you don't even see the entire scope of the conflict. You're not seeing it. And so Jesus had a very clear picture of what the conflict is. He said, I remember seeing Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I remember when death started destroying humanity. The real enemy that Jesus is facing, that he steps into, the one that he looks like he's going to get overcome with is death. He's addressing the real larger conflict. Jesus said that that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy he said, he said, the enemy that you have isn't Rome. The enemy you have comes to steal, comes to kill, and comes to destroy. And how many people, just by looking around the world, you see enough stealing, killing, and destruction. You see enough of it. And Jesus is like, that's, that's the enemy. Keep your focus on what the actual enemy is. The thing that brings destruction. The thing that brings death. I need, to, I need to overcome that. See, peace happens when there's no death. This is a really big idea that, that was introduced to me um, probably a few years ago. The idea that we live in an economy of, or, a, or the politics of death. Our decisions are often run by death. You're like, what? I don't think about death very often. We like to ignore it. But the reality is when we think about, oh, I need to be successful, I need to accomplish these things. And we start to feel pressure. We put pressure on ourselves and we start to go, oh, well, this needs to happen. And, and you can only do, you only live once, right? And so we make our decisions based on death. You're free to go. Now you have to come back. That was a really quick recess. We make our decisions based on death. We make our decisions and, and our society. We, we have votes because we don't have time to come to consensus. Votes expedite decision-making instead of taking the time to come together because that's inefficient. We live in the, under the politics of death itself. And so, and so Jesus is like, that's, that's the enemy. Peace happens when death is removed. When death is overcome, that's when peace happens. So 1 Corinthians 15, 55 celebrates, looks ahead a little bit and celebrates Jesus' victory over death and says, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? You did something here. And so we see this, this idea that, that, that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He overcame death. This is amazing news. But I get ahead of myself because today is Good Friday and we just want to skip ahead to the solution. We just want to get to the happy part. We want to realize that, yeah, this is it. Jesus overcame. No, Jesus first saw the first, he saw the enemy. 
and he saw the solution. In your situations in life, the times where you're like, Jesus, what do you have to do? I don't know if I can trust you to overcome the conflict in my life. Jesus pushes back on you and says, do you understand the conflict in your life? Do you have a good grasp of what that conflict is or are you looking too much at a microcosm? Do you have a good understanding of the actual conflict that's going on? Or are you just caught up in your own little narrative that doesn't involve exactly what God is doing? It's not that the things that we face aren't important. God does navigate us through them. But the things that we need to recognize is that God's plan is way more grand than ours is. Way more grand. And God will walk you through conflicts. He will allow you to imitate him and step into conflicts and see victories. And and he will be involved in those. But he doesn't always do it the way that I want it done. He doesn't always look at the Roman opposition and say, oh, I'm just going to remove that now. No, he doesn't do that all the time. Sometimes he goes, this is going to be the greatest birth point for my victory in, into the whole world and my expansion from, from realizing that, that oh, we're, we're just about nation to we're, the message of the gospel goes global. Through, get this, get this. The message of the gospel goes global through the Roman Empire. The irony is so thick of God's overcoming of the conflict. The irony is so thick. Today, death is still evident. As I said, we like to ignore it. But there are moments in our life where we're faced with it head on. We're faced with it. I was faced with it. And for me, it it got real when I had to sign the medical power of attorney for for my mom. She'd been suffering with Alzheimer's for a long time. And it got real when I had to realize that, that this was going to be the final conflict for my mom. And it's real. And it sucks, and it's hard. But as we went through that, I knew that God was walking through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because, God, you are with me. Your, so your, your shield and your staff, they comfort me. You're on your staff, they comfort me. And so we try to avoid it, or we can look at it like Jesus did, knowing that it's the last enemy to be defeated. The death itself becomes the last enemy to be defeated, the one that's finally removed when Jesus fulfills all of his promises and he returns and he says, now we see the full resurrection of the dead. You saw it in a foreshadowing in Jesus, but you too will experience it. You too will be called up into, into, into God's presence. You too will live eternally forever in the presence of God. This is good news. This is good news that the death gets defeated. And it's good. See, we are not without hope. God builds hope as Jesus faces the greatest conflict of all humanity. As Jesus prepares to overcome the greatest weapon of the accuser, the enemy, Jesus prepares to face the greatest conflict and he will overcome it or be overcome by it. And that's the tension that we face conflict in. I want us to hear the Apostles' Creed because it sits in the tension of the conflict. It walks us through the conflict. And it's important for us to just hear it and meditate on it for a minute. So I'm going to slow my my cadence down. I'm going to read the Apostles' Creed and then we're going to conclude. I believe in God, 
the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of, of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I believe in these things because this is how God overcomes conflict. God sees the greatest conflict in every single one of our lives. And he says, I have you. I have you right through to the end. I will carry you through everything, through hell and through high water. I will redeem your life and I will resurrect you in the end. And we will live in perfect unity with God. This is the gospel message according to the scripture. This is the good news that God opened up for all humanity to say Jesus knew his conflict. It wasn't the Romans, but Jesus understood his conflict was about the weapon of the enemy that destroys his very loved creation. So how do you respond? Jesus positioned himself. Devin, you could come up. Jesus positioned himself to overcome death or to be overcome by it. You respond by positioning yourself behind Jesus. Jesus' successful determination to face the greatest conflict ever known to humanity should allow us to turn in trust of him. You respond in trusting the one who overcame death. And we find ourselves in a position of surrender because no matter what your conflict is, the cross of Jesus overcame the conflict that we cannot overcome. And we respond with worship because only God, only God could do such great work. Jesus, I pray that you would allow us to invite you into areas of our conflict, even when we think that you might not have a good grasp of it. I pray that you would allow us into areas of, of or the, that we would allow you into areas of conflict that we think that you're not qualified for and see your greater wisdom come through. Change our perspective. Give us a perspective of what you're doing instead of my little microcosm, little world. Give us an understanding of what the grand almighty God is doing. Open our eyes. And we rely on you to save us from all of our wrong and all of our contribution to death and suffering around us. We offer our lives to you today on Good Friday 
and we recognize that you were the only one that had a good had a good idea of what the real conflict was. We thank you for your wisdom, for your faithfulness, and for your victory. In Jesus' name.